The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Second Stage. It's uh, uh, our uh, forum for entrepreneurial discussions. Um, we uh, are, uh, bl- are blessed again to have uh, Rich Manders, a uh, longtime EO buddy and uh, one of those, the, probably, I'm going to go with top, top, top uh, guys that, I, that really seem to know how to, how to coach and scale and uh, with wonderful experience. But uh, basically, we're going to uh, spend today conquering the complexity uh, in your business um, and basically scale as possible. I apologize in advance. I'm a little hoarse. I, I went to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, San Jose Sharks game, and uh, my son and I kind of uh, jammed to tunes the whole way there and back. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rally here. But uh, Rich is uh, really the reason you're all dialing in. But at a certain point in a lifestyle of every business, there comes an awkward phase um, of organizational development where the complexities of the business is over, is overcoming its team's capabilities as leaders in the systems they created. Uh, too big to be small and too small to be big. This wilderness phase is what Doug Tatum's bestseller refers to as no man's land, a critical transitional stage in the metamorphosis of growing companies. And just as uh, teenagers, <laughs> uh, Barbara wrote this, is awesome. And just as uh, teenagers think, think they're only one struggling with, with the fear, doubt, and the pressures to grow up faster. So every business owner needs to understand that the phase is normal and, in fact, manageable. A serial entrepreneur, a 20-year member plus, it's got to be more than that, though, by, by now, Rich, um, of the Entrepreneurs Organization, we're excited to welcome back Rich Manders to discuss how leaders can identify that their business is at a pivotal point where, the, where complexity is growing at an exponential rate and, more importantly, how to overcome the transition. As I mentioned, Rich Manders is a, a three-time guest um, of the of the second uh, stage. He is a um, co-founder of Freescale Coaching System, a serial entrepreneur, lifelong learner, and student of business. You know, my uh, my favorite story about Rich is he's one of these guys, the few uh, entrepreneurs out there that kind of they read a book, they retain it, they they learn stuff, and they actually implement it and uh, and execute it. And, and it's amazing how how when you have a plan and execute it, it comes to fruition. Mention that uh, Rich is the co-founder of Freescale Coaching. You can uh, find out more about that at www.freescalecoaching.com. And, um, you know, really, uh, 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 you know, we'll kind of get into his story. We've, we've mentioned it in the past, but uh, he was a uh, co-founder of uh, iAutomation and uh, literally took it from zero startup in, in revenue to uh, more than $80 million, uh, in, in revenue. And um, Rich, uh, I can go on and on and on about uh, my uh, admiration for your business acumen, but uh, welcome back for the third time to the second stage. Thank you. Thank you. 
So, Rich also, uh, uh, Rich also, I'm going to say, Rich, that uh, we, you, you are, uh, have actually helped us out on one of our companies, a uh, company that we're pretty proud of, kind of how, their, uh, how they've kind of gotten through the J curve and a company called Luan Technologies. And Rich, uh, after the last board meeting, pulled me aside and, uh, and punched me out, telling me that I wasn't, uh, we weren't being aggressive enough. So, thanks. One great thing about Rich is uh, he's always very upfront and honest about his, his feelings. Well, thanks, Brendan. <laughs> so, um, I, I came today to talk a little bit about Freescale and what it means and how it can play into the life. And it, we could use Llewellyn as a, you know, one of those kinds of examples where it's a curious phenomenon we've seen in a lot of places, which is as the business grows and gets bigger as it scales, what happens a lot is that the leaders of the business, their freedom goes down, the opposite of what they intended. So they started a business for freedom and to make their own way. And what happens many times is that at a certain point in the growth of the business, it becomes overwhelming. It can't go any further, and the freedom their freedom level is going completely to zero. And they have less and less choices to be able to grow the business to keep the people that they want to keep and make things happen on that front. So that's kind of the, the short version. So what, what Wayne and I did, uh, Wayne is my uh, business partner, Wayne Ferrari, that for the last uh, close to 20 years uh, in iAutomation and now in the coaching business, is we started thinking about that problem and how can that be solved for? How can you get ahead of that curve in the system? So... What I, and what I mean by, you know, free is there's a term in shipping called the Plimsoll line. When you have a freight ship, you load the boat up with all the cargo it's going to carry, and they literally paint a line on the hull of the boat. And as you keep piling stuff into the boat, at a certain point, the water level reaches the line, and that's where you should stop because at that point, the ship's at its capacity. It can weather rough seas. It can uh, maneuver properly, et cetera, as designed to carry the load. The problem in business is you tend to go over that line without even knowing that it's happening. And what happens when an easy way to kind of tell that you're above or below that line, which essentially is defined as you're used up 100% of the organizational capacity is that you move from working on your business, at least some of the time, to just being in your business. And so you're firefighting, you're overwhelmed, you're stressed out, uh, you're wasting a lot. You know, things like shipping things overnight that should have gone, you know, a week ago by ground. Uh, you're panicking, you got the cold sweats at night versus really thinking about the long-term strategy of the business, developing people, uh, giving feedback, developing your customers and your core. So that's kind of the, the bad spot that people get into. Hey, Rich, maybe talk about, you know, and I know that in prior shows you've talked about, you know, kind of how you guys grew your business, but maybe kind of give another brief background of your, of, of your the, the business that you and Wayne built, and then kind of maybe a couple times when you guys felt that you were kind of at or above that line or at or below the line, depending how you look at it. Sure. Um, so... The business that Wayne and I built is called iAutomation. Uh, we started it in 1998, 
And the business provides all of the components that people who build automated machines need to make those machines go. Uh, so it's motors, controls, actuators, robots, sensors, touchscreens, software, power and, and air distribution, et cetera. All those pieces that go into the machine. And what we did with that business was we came up with a really unique business model where we hired and developed really smart engineers who could go into the companies and help them develop a better machine faster than they could on their own. And we provided that service essentially for free in exchange for designing the components that we sold as a distributor through. And we really reached that, that, you know, that level a number of times, uh, partially with people where uh, the staff that we hired got outgrown by the business, um, landing very large customers, which put us under a lot of stress in servicing our existing customers, uh, things like that, where we, where we just found ourselves, you know, with our heads over the water, you know, loaded beyond the Dunbar line, um, and including our, in, the, in growing past our own abilities, where we brought in private equity to help us eventually scale the business past with providing financial and operational expertise along with capital to make things happen. Maybe talk about, um, I'm going to jump like down a little bit, maybe just talk about you know, you've obviously been a student of this for for a long time, and I mentioned you know regularly that you know you you kind of you read all the books and you retain the information and kind of can put it into into good spots. Maybe maybe talk about why you decided to to write to write this book or put this uh, this together. Yeah, um, well, when I look at uh, mid-sized businesses, so businesses that have made it past that you know dozen plus employees and have a, a business model. The problem for those folks is there's there's tons of books and support systems for startups, incubators, and advisors, and so on, and there's this large amount of space uh, of information for large businesses like uh, public companies and and large private companies. There's a they can afford a dearth of uh, knowledge and and hiring experts, and so this is no man's land in the middle that you mentioned earlier where there isn't a lot of help and information to help these folks get past where they're stuck. And, you know, I, what, I, what we had come up with was this list of things that happen when you get stuck at, so that you can identify whether or not you're getting into trouble if your organization is getting swamped. And basically by looking through the list, you can determine how much trouble you're in or are you fine and, and just keep plowing ahead? So I'll, I'll roll through the list really quick. Um, the first one is growth is stalled. So you've, you've had a good growing business, and what's happened is it's just stalled out. You, no matter how hard you work and how hard you try, you're just not getting any further. Uh, the second one is shrinking margins. So that's gross margins and net margins or EBITDA are shrinking so you're even though you're still doing business and you're losing ground financially with every step. Same thing with cash flow. Um, the leadership team is overtasked. They're stressed. They're missing meetings. They're always working in the business, not on it. Um, you're losing your top talent to the com- competition, and you're losing your clients to competitors. 
you have these folks in your company that used to be important and now are not, right? They've been displaced, but they're still hanging around. We like to call those guys pips for previously important people. <laughs> um, another one that's fairly common is a disengaged CEO. So the, the business has gotten boring to them, and so they've removed themselves from being engaged, involved, accountable to the business. Sometimes it's they pick up hobbies and just are checked out all the time. Other times it's they're bringing a new idea and a new product every week to the business, driving the leadership team crazy because they don't know what to work on because there are so many things. Um, and then last is that you see a lot of broken initiatives, uh, broken systems and initiatives in the business. Things got started, didn't get finished. Uh, it's impossible to get good information on how the business is running. And lastly, and maybe one of the most important ones, you got successful and now you're afraid. And so you moved away from playing to win to playing not to lose, which means it leaves a hole in your business. Sounds like the Cleveland Browns in the last two minutes of every game that they're in. They just decide to, no, okay, forget it. Um, Exactly. That's exactly it. So if you can check off maybe a few of those things and say, yeah, that's true in our company, you're probably doing pretty well. But once you get up about five or six of those, you're starting to be in the danger zone. And if you're doing more than 10 of those things, you're really in trouble. You're probably going out of business. You just don't know it. That's a pretty pretty brutal list. I mean, if you look at it, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, if you go down, like you said, you go down there and it's like, you know, maybe things have stalled or, or the margins go down a little bit and there's not a lot of sirens that go off, right? I mean, the people are still right. comfortable and whatnot. And, and, you know, I guess it's it's easy to relax. And I think that, you know, I think, you know, after the last board meeting at Llewellyn, you know, we, they had a pretty good year and we were pretty happy about it. And then you're kind of like, wait a minute, what are you guys, are you guys happy with this? And it's a... Uh, and, you know, I, I think you cautioned, uh, you know, again, very, very excited about the Lou Allen, you know, situation, but I think you cautioned, mm-hmm. hey, guys, this is when you really have to worry about making sure you're doing stuff right. Right. Well, it's that boiling, it's the frog in the hot water. You know, you know the, the story about that. If you put a frog in a pot and you heat the water up slowly, they'll just boil to death because they don't know. But whereas if you, because they don't realize that they're getting into trouble, whereas when you drop a frog into hot water, they get out of that water really quick. And All right, that's Rich, what happens so it sounds, a lot so it of sounds, times to the leadership in the business. You know, and it's funny, and not to beat this up, but it sounds like, you know, you know, a lot of pretty successful people that, that you and I know in EO or other, we make our, well, our way around the country and you meet wonderful entrepreneurs, a lot of them get to a spot where they're pretty comfortable. And, um, and that's not right. a bad thing. It's just, it's a, com- it's a comfort thing, right? And, and you just kind of, you know, you, you find hobbies, you, you decide the other things may be more important, and, you know, the business is probably going to suffer. What, so right. Well, think about, think about all the employees that are looking at that from the outside and going, why should I put, you know, the difference between a successful business and a not-so-successful business is really incremental effort on the part of the team. And if they feel that they're not seeing that at the top, everybody slacks off a little bit. And that becomes a, a cancer in the business over time. All right. So if, you, if you're in a business and, you know, and you, if you start to see some of this stuff and I'll write fiercely, what, what, uh, what do we, where do we go first? What, do we, uh, what, are the, what are the questions we should be asking ourselves? Right. Well, start, with, start with that assessment that I talked 
about earlier, which is how many of those things would you check off as true inside your business? And then the, the recipe, for each one of those things, there's a recipe of how to get out of that. And in many cases, as I said, with the, with the drift, it's really finding a new thing to go after, you know, clarity about why you're in business and where you're headed, right, is the first step of making sure that that hasn't gotten lost in just either the loss of vision or in being just so overwhelmed day to day that you've really lost that edge that you are building something great. You know, so that's, that's, you know, understanding your personal why, your business why, knowing, you know, truly what you have for a team, you know, and are they the right people in the right seats with the right tools and training to do the job and clear about what you're doing that's a differentiated strategy from what else other people are doing. So there's, there's work to be done on each of those areas depending on where your pain point is. And Rich, you know, it's funny, I listened to you talk about, about you know, the, the personal wise and the business wise and that sort of thing. It, you know, it, if, uh, if you're a, if you get to a certain point in time and, or, you know, in mm-hmm. business size and you just decide that your, that your personal why may be different, um, mm-hmm. maybe kind of walk through that. Cause I mean, it's, 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 you know, I see a lot of people that probably, you know, we see a lot of people at evolution and I'm sure you see a lot of people in your daily life that, that are probably in that bucket. Right. And so the, the the reality is that the business will probably suffer and eventually die if you don't give it a place to go, right? There's very few people. The good people in the organization aren't going to stick around. And the, uh, the your competitor, I, I often tell people who we speak to about coaching, they go, well, you know, we're making a lot of money and we're, you know, we're good. It's Things are fine. And I, you know, for the most part, a lot of the folks I spoke to, with are middle-aged in their uh, late 30s to 50s. And the question I always ask is, remember the 25-year-old version of yourself? What were you I like, like that then? Version. How, you know, how tough were you? How far were you willing to? How much pain could you endure? And that person is probably working for you right now, the 25-year-old version for yourself, or they're working at your competitor. And they're looking at you and saying, that's an easy target. I'm going to take you out. Just a matter of time. If you're making a ton of money and not working hard, it's coming. It it will eventually come after you unless you've got some amazingly protected technology that nobody can touch or proprietary relationship. So staying still isn't really an option for most people, for mere mortal businesses anyway. Yeah, and and just for my entertainment, out of the businesses, and you're maybe a little different because the people that would approach you to be their coach, they'd pro- you know they're out there learning and trying to drive forward. But you know, what percentage of the businesses out there do you think are kind of in that category? I think it's more than fifty percent that too. would score in the danger zone of we're stuck. And a, a lot of times, it's not about disenchantment. It's just as the business grew, they the leaders did not grow because they were so busy doing the day job that they didn't invest in learning how to be a great leader. And there, and again, there isn't a lot of material out there for helping people create 
the next levels of leadership in their business. There's uh, a challenge at different phases, right? So, so from zero to a million, pretty easy. Everybody's in the same room. You're all working together. Then you need helpers, and you need to get good, clear instructions from one to, say, five. You're going to need to start to develop other people in the business to be able to do things. And then when you get up into the 10 million, you tend to need some middle managers, right? So every time you insert a layer of people in the business, the people at the business end of the company, the ones who are actually coming in contact with the customers, are getting further and further away from the leaders and their messages unless you have a robust structure to make that communication happen regularly and clearly. So it's not always that it's disillusionment. It often is that you just don't know how to make that leap to the next level, to insert the next level of leaders in the business, to develop people. And so that also can be a reason why you're stalled out. And coming up with a methodology and a system of making sure everybody's clear about what is it I'm supposed to do in my job and what's the measure, how does that tie to where we're going measurably, and what's, what are the things I need to work on now to get ready for where we're going? Most people skip over that when they're in that firefighting mode. And so they end up in that spot where the complexity of the business just overcomes their ability to do anything further. We're, we're going to take a, a quick break. When we get back, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to uh, talk about the four pillars of a strong business. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I love the pillars kind of read through them earlier. For those of us, for those of you out there that want to get in t- contact with us on Twitter, it's at evolution underscore CP. Um, you can join us uh, in this discussion using uh, hashtag the second stage, and it's T H E two N D stage. And you can always email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. With that, we'll be back in uh, in a couple minutes uh, with Rich Manders, uh, learning about um, we'll find out about the four pillars of a strong business. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. What makes great leaders? Results? A lasting legacy? Is it making a difference in your life or maybe the lives of others? I lead. The Leadership Connection with host Dr. Linda Sharkey will bring you the practical tips and tools to make you an extraordinary leader, and by doing so, build a better, more successful, and more profitable organization. Our show is all about you, the leader that you can be, and the culture that you can create. Tune in to I Lead, The Leadership Connection, live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to The Second Stage. We're here with Rich Manders. Uh, Before we get back to talking to Rich, I'd like to thank our sponsors, RSM LLP, the leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 cities. Um, Rich, as I promised the the listeners before, we would kind of uh, get into... The, the four pillars of um, strong businesses, and uh, I, I love the pillars. Maybe uh, maybe walk us through some of those. Sure. So, yeah, I, at the top level, the four pillars are people, strategy, execution, and cash. Those are the four areas that you focus on to make a strong business. I think you guys have five pillars, right? What's the fifth one? So, so we, we go great financials, which is cash, plan, uh, people, yeah. you know, um, a, accountability, exactly. and transparency. So um, I'll start with strategy, and it's one of the more interesting ones that I've discovered in being a coach, which is the first question of, of a strategy is, what do you want? What is the outcome that you're shooting for out of all this effort, all this capital that you've tied up, all this hard work that you put in? What's the outcome that you want? And the interesting part of what I've learned from asking that question to a lot of very uh, strong leaders is that they have a hard time articulating that. And if they have a hard time articulating that, then everyone in the company is confused too. And so, and the, the second part is usually their knee-jerk answer that they've given me so far has never been the real answer when they really dig into it. Uh, so they might say, I want to sell the company and get, you know, uh, $50 million, or I want to uh, pass the business on to my grandchildren. And you have to ask that why question a few times to get to the real reason why that they want what they want so that it really is anchored in their soul what they're looking for. So that would be the first thing is getting to that. And, and, and Rich, maybe, and, and, and I don't want to let you have the, the, done with that one because I think that that's a, that that's a big, uh, you know, I, I think there's so many different ways to take the strategy and what the people want because I think I, if you know if you go to the average EO meeting, there's you know everybody wants to grow, everybody wants to grow, and maybe kind of walk through uh-huh. some of the you know without using names, you know how how by asking that a couple of times how it changes you know what what people really want because I think hopefully it resonates with some of the people listening in. Yeah, so um, I I had a client and. I said, what do you want this business to do for you, right? Well, you know, 10 years, you know, if we start working together in a few years from now, five, 10 years from now, what's the outcome you want? And for him, originally it was to create a business that he could pass on to his grandchildren. I said, well, what's preventing you from it being that now? And he said, well, that's not with you. And the more we ask why that's important, he would say, well, that's not really it. What I really want is, I want the family to have the business, 
but I also wanted to build up a legacy for the future. I wanted to throw up enough cash so that I can do this, be focused on this area that I really believe in, which is building up the small cities in the place that I live, right? So he lives in Connecticut, and he's, a lot of the cities in Connecticut are in trouble. They're struggling, like Bridgeport, et cetera, uh, New Haven. And so he wants to apply that capital to teach other people entrepreneurship and to help them with, you know, with microloans. Today, he's too involved with the business, but down the road, that's what he wanted to do with it. And that's a great personal why. You can go and everybody company that I want this business to serve this future big goal. And everybody can line up behind that. If it's just about passing the business off to your grandkids, well, who cares about that as a business, right? So that, that, that's what a kind of example of what that is. Another one was I just want to sell because I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I'm worn out. And really when you got to the core of it, was certainly they were worn out. But the question I asked was if you could really redesign this business to meet your lifestyle need, which was, Free, some free time, uh, financial freedom, et cetera, then what would you think? She's like, well, then I wouldn't want to sell it. Like, okay, well now, so what would it need to do to be there? And so getting clear on that is the first part of the strategy because the CEO sets the vision for his lifetime, for the owner of the business sets that. And then the rest of the team can get behind that. But if it's, it, it can't be just about becoming rich or it, no, nobody's excited about that. And it hardly ever is. So far, I've never found it to be. That's the only reason. And there's something tied up with achievement and and meaning and impact in the world that is really the outcome in almost in every case I've seen. No, that's that's so, uh, that's great. Right, and then and then it's getting a you know then it's getting the strategy right about how are you how could will you be different how will you serve your customers in a way that's unique and different and differentiated enough that you have a moat around your business. You can get uh, reasonable margins for growth uh, so you can reinvest in the business and keep it growing and make things happen. And there's a whole bunch of tools on how to do it. There's a lot of work with Michael Porter and with the Gazelle stuff, et cetera, on how to derive that, those building blocks for how to make the business have impact. And so that, that, those are two areas, those are two ways to look at strategy. First, what, what is the big picture? Where do you want to go? And then second is what are, what are we going to do to be different and special? And what are the building blocks to get there that we need to have? It could be adding clients, could be adding product lines, could be adding geographies or all of those things, but really breaking it down and making it clear how you're going to have a winning strategy in your marketplace. Hey, Rich, how much, uh, how is, much, how much of that is, so is like that, that core customer? I mean, knowing, knowing that, that, yeah, it's a ton of it. Right. As, as we talked about that, I think in one of the podcasts, um, was, you know, defining who your ideal customer is and then really getting clear about it so that you can build a model, uh, that, Professor Francis Fry wrote a book called Uncommon Service, where you look at the at your customer base and, and where your most successful customers are, and you really dig in to find out why are they buying from you, and 
cater your business model to be specifically bad at the things they don't care about so that you have room for the things that they really care about. Uh, best example of that one that's in the book uh, is Southwest Airlines, where they eliminated food, eliminated the sign seats, all these things to cater to the customer who cares about price, frequency of uh, departure, and safety and fun, right? That's their, their, their thing that they're driving for. And they don't do anything about it being having nice cocktails or pretty waitresses or, you know, any of those things as part of their strategy because it doesn't fit. People don't care. How many things in your business are you missing, you know, that you're somehow attached to that customers just don't care about? And I've got tons of stories, but I don't want to spend too much time on that one. No, it's funny. I It just it hit me. Uh, we had three board meetings or kind of advisor meetings last week with three companies and, uh, um, and in each meeting, we were going through their, you know, their vision traction organizer, and and they were talking. We were talking about their core customers, and then we would talk about their core customers, and then we would look at their pipelines, and the pipelines had nothing to do with the, <laughs> the core customers. And I'm kind of, it was just one of these kind of weird aha moments where it was kind of back to back to back. And I'm kind of like, wait a minute, guys. It was just, it was, it was. I don't know. It was, it was an aha moment for me. But anyways, I apologize. It was just something I had been thinking about in the last week or so. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the second one is, do you have the right people on the bus in the right seats with the right set of stuff to do? And so that fits into the, a blend between people and strategy. And there's typically, most companies start at the beginning wrong. They have poor hiring practices. They don't have a regimented, clear process of how they're going to hire people or, and, or interview them or develop them. So we work a lot with the top grading method uh, to help clients get a strong, durable model on how to get, keep, and grow great people in their business. Um, the second thing that happens when your business gets really busy is that you drop coaching of people and developing of people. So you're so busy putting out fires, you never talk to the people, to the guy right next to you who's working arm in arm with you How's it going? What what could we do better? Um, you know, asking just those really basic questions of like what what should the company start doing, stop doing, and keep doing that, and, and really digging for the places where you're putting hassles into your organization and causing organizational friction. And so that stuff gets lost. Uh, that having a career path gets lost. And so you have people, the very best people in the company, which there's tons of research are triple the productivity of the average person. And those great people aren't getting care and feeding and love, and they're going to go somewhere else. And so generally speaking, when you get a company that's not scaling, at, you know, it's stuck, the, pe- the best players in the company are bleeding off and going to competitors that they want and deserve and are being offered a greater future somewhere else. Rich, how do you know... Um, how do you know when you're aligned? How do you know when you got the good team? I mean, it sounds like a cheesy question, but, but you know, I, I, I think most companies don't have. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a bunch of pieces, but it really starts off with the easiest, the way I can tell right away if a company is aligned is go to a meeting and see how they act. Just any meeting that they're having, are they uh, being productive with each other? Are they respectful of each other? Do they have a great agenda? Are they talking about metrics and not just reporting out, uh, you know, just spewing out data 
all day long. I, I like the acronym NRA, where essentially anybody who's just sitting in a meeting reporting out stuff that you could read in, in, in advance of the meeting, it stands for no reporting allowed. But I have a couple clients now that have bought one of those little sound machines and they have a gun sound. Every time somebody starts reading off the sales report, well, last week we got, you know, $300,000 in bookings and da 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 You're just like, boom, and stop them in their tracks. We don't need to talk about that. Let's talk about where we're struggling. Let's talk about where the biggest opportunity is and how do we win it. Those kinds of questions. So healthy and aligned there is people will trust each other. They're holding themselves accountable to very specific things. And they are getting the results. That's how you know that a company is healthy and aligned. And there's not a lot of organizational friction or politics, in other words, right, where people are protecting their own turf. They're working to help each other out. Rich, Rich, I hate to ask this question at the end of every pillar, but how often do you see it that companies have this this well-aligned team that's, you know, kind of thriving and supporting each other and, and so forth? Uh, less than 50% of the time. And it's it's same thing as the frog in the water, right? It's just over time drifts. And also, secondly, if the business has been growing, and this was the team that grew it, so what has happened during the time that the business was growing to these people? Were they being grown also? In most cases, not. And so they're still trying to solve the problem using a in a bigger business using a small business mindset, right? They haven't been trained on how to develop and coach people. They haven't been trained on how to develop and build great uh, KPIs for their team and tie them to an out to what the future is for the business. They haven't been trained on Rich is still there. So what happens okay. is, yeah, I'm okay, still yeah. here. So that's the, that's the challenge is that a lot of times the Business is outgrows the people. Uh, the easiest example is uh, a company starts up, and this is a real world example. And you hire your best friend to be the sales manager, and because you know that they're good at sales, and so they come in and you say you're director of sales or vice president of sales or whatever, and you put them in the seat, and they're great for a while because the job is to sell. But as the company grows, the only way it will continue to grow is you're adding sales reps the team. And the problem is this guy's got the title of director of sales. He's been there from the beginning, maybe even has stock options or stock. But the skill set to train and develop salespeople is the exact opposite skill set of being a great salesperson. And so this guy ends up in the wrong role in the business now because the business outgrew him. Could he have been trained and developed? Maybe, but it, it, it wasn't part of the plan. Or is he just really the right guy to take a company from one to ten million, but not the right guy to go from ten to twenty-five? And you can help him by going somewhere else where he's really in a sweet spot. So that's that's a common people problem where things drop off. Um, which, on the, on which, the which, as you know, that's a but of the pillar, go ahead. It, it's typically uh, you don't have great communication. Your meet, and we talked about the four meetings. Meetings have a terrible structure. They go on too long. Um, and there isn't like this organizational rhythm, almost like respiration or breath that's happening over and over again every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year. 
We are going to talk about the things that are going on in our business. And most importantly, we're going to get feedback from the very bottom of the organization up that we're going to go through in these meetings, both from customers and from employees, so that we're really working on the business and making it better and stronger with every execution cycle, so that daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual rhythm. Every, every one of those meetings, except for the daily, should be have a focus on what are we going to do to make this business stronger and better and more efficient over time. You know, it's people. It's uh, in these small, growing businesses. People, 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 and being willing to be open and have that kind of level of trust is, uh, you know, it's in my opinion, it's the key. And 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 I would say it's way, 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 way less than fifty percent. I, you know, I'm yeah. more negative negative than you, but I think it's below ten. But uh, you know, I'm I'm just the I'm the negative guy. But anyways, right. Well, one of the best one of the best books out there is a book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, which talks about how do you develop this culture of performance. And I've had a lot of people that I've met read this book, and many of them, when I check in with them or they call me up and say, you know, thank you for pointing this book out, almost all of them say, when I read the book, I wanted to like throw up in my mouth because I can't believe the mistakes I'm making here. It's really a challenge that just happens to drift over time and cause all kinds of problems. That's great. It's scary, but great. All right. So that, so people's, people's pillar, the second pillar. Yep. And then, and we talked about execution, which is really about those meetings and getting feedback from the customers. Every meet, every major meeting you have, you should have essentially a chair in the room for the customers and the employees the line and rank and file staff that you're basically helping them move and get better all the time. You're refining your offers to meet the customer's needs better and better over time. And you're also making sure that you're de-hassling your organization and making it a place where the very best people want to be in your execution rhythm. Um, the last pillar is the cash one. And this is a, uh, you know, really ties to your fifth pillar that you talked about, which is yeah. it starts with really good data. And most businesses have terrible data. They cannot, I, I work with a business that's 80 years old, and they could not tell you when I first started with them whether they made money or lost money on any product, any product line, any customer, period. And so they're cranking along, but, but 80 years of history, they had no idea when something went out the door, whether they made money or not. They could only tell at the end of the month, maybe, depending on how inventory played into the game. And so how could you make any kind of good business decision around that? Really a challenge. So it starts with good data and then focusing in on who is, where are we making money, which will lead you to your core customer, and how do we make this business really line up with delivering the right value. Then the second one is uh, there's a book out called Cash Flow Story. It was written by this guy, Alan Miltz, in Australia. And in the cash flow story model, what you do is you look at the business and the history of the business, and you find out for every dollar that you increase sales, how much more capital do you need to grow your business? And this is one of those things that most people don't really understand cash flow. 
But when you look at this, and so let's say, Brendan, you have a business and it's a $20 million business and we meet up and you tell me, I want to grow this business from $20 million to $50 million over the next three years. So one of the questions I would go through this process and look, and what I've seen is the range that you need in a typical business is somewhere between $0.10 cents and $0.50 cents of capital for every dollar increase in sales, looking at the historical data from the business. And everybody says, oh, when we get past a certain point, we'll get more efficient. Well, I've found that not to be true. And so say, okay, Brendan, you want to go to $50 million and let's say you need uh, $0.10 cents for every dollar? So we're going to come up with the $3 million of additional capital you're going to need to get there over these next two years. Are you going to borrow it? Are you going to uh, get it from friends, et cetera? And most people don't realize that they have a business model that essentially sucks cash as it grows. And so coming up with weight, really digging into that and looking at how can you change that model and, and turning it into a customer-funded business instead of funded by the, the owner of the business or funded by the bank is truly a, it can change the whole game because it takes the limit off of growing the business of needing a lot of capital. And, you know, Rich, that that, that single story right there, I, uh, we uh, – had one of our associates we were talking about, and, and, and we have, we have a wonderful little business in Southern California that that's growing like a weed, but they you know they they really haven't figured out that cash flow thing yet, and so it's, uh-huh. it's I laugh because um, I I thought about the you know Alan's book and you know in you and I both or you went you were uh, you went to uh, BOG for the um, uh-huh. birthing of giants and my, by the time I went it was uh, the entrepreneurial master's program at, at, at MIT. The, affiliated with EO and uh, Alan was one of the speakers and so I was t- having this discussion with one of our companies and we literally just about two weeks ago broke down and bought the the, the, the spreadsheet software that um, it's something I think we probably could have done but it was like 900 bucks and, it, it, and Alan has done a great job kind of presenting it and we literally presented to this company that the, their current cash flow the way, you know they don't get deposits they don't get some other stuff and it was it would cost them six dollars to grow a dollar and um you know it's i mean it's pretty brutal wow. right i mean you know and, yeah. and and then and then you start explaining to them then you know, they start modeling you know they start getting deposits and all of a sudden it you know it costs them a whole lot less and so it was quite a you know it really is something that you got to understand and i think that you know and and i think any any self-respecting entrepreneur says well i'm making money you know i'm you know there's money that things are working and it's just it's it's hard it's a it's a hard thing to to really grasp but it's a it's a right. good concept it, it, and, it took, it took a- it took a long time for me. And look, you're a banker, right? From history, yeah. right? And it takes a long time to get that, get a grasp on it. And most people don't. And but if you can, you really can control what happens in your business. And you find that you're. I, I like the leaky pipe analogy. You find that most businesses are this giant leaky pipe. There's just leaks from one end to the other. So, but money's going in one end. And only a trick, you know, a flow of money's coming in one end is coming out the other end if you're lucky. And in your case, you had that you just described, you gotta shove six dollars in the other end for every dollar that comes in. Well that's a terrible business <laughs> if you don't fix it. <clears throat> One of my favorite um, stories, and I, and, and I do want to get on to kind of uh, you know kind of what this all feels like once you get it right. But uh, you know, and, and you know, you and I and uh, uh, you know have been in, been informed together for a while. And 
But, you know, we, we had a company many, you know, four or five years ago, we were sitting around and they, they were growing and we were, kind, you know, we were kind of sitting around saying, well, how do you, you know, you, you guys are using too much cash, using too much cash. And one of the, one of the, the, the founder kind of says, well, God, maybe I could get the people to pay up front or I could get them to pay in 15 days. And uh, mm-hmm. he literally went, went, his customers were banks and he went to the bank and he said, yeah, I need you to pay in 15 days. And the first one said yes. And the second one said yes. And the third one said yes. And next thing you know, that the faster he grew, the the more cash he produced. And when you when you run that sort of business, we use that as a model to show these other businesses. You know, it's uh, there. It is possible. Hard, you know, hard to do. Right. But you got got to be willing to ask for it, right? Right. And you know, when these companies get stuck, it's it's death by a thousand cuts, right? They're just there's so many th- of these things, and it's just overwhelming that rear their head in the process. Hey, Rich, we're down about five minutes. I do want to talk, you know, we can get into some other things and, and so forth, but maybe talk about, you know, look, we, we, we've thrown a lot at the listeners and, you know, and there's, you know, this sometimes as, a, as an entrepreneur, this sounds overwhelming and you wonder whether it's worth it, right? Maybe talk about, you know, what, what is this, if you can get this right, you know, and, and you had a business right. that was growing, growing on blue, what, tell me what it feels like. So it's basically, that, you know, so we'll break it down from free and scale. So on the free side, Really, it works out to be three things. It's clarity, right? So you have clarity on what your personal why is, what your business why is, how, what the upside is, and how you get it. Um, you're clear about who the team is that you have, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and you have their metrics and, and so on, and a, and a development plan for everyone. Um, you have a clear, differentiated strategy. And you have low anxiety, so you have time to think about the big picture. The second piece is certainty. And this is, as you know, as a buyer businesses and a banker, the number one thing that people pay for business is profitability. So, in other words, certainty. They get certainty of your profitability and cash flow. What you're going to do, you can see as far as possible into the future. You have a succession plan. So that every human in the company has a backup and you have a plan that is not dependent on any one person. And, and third is the company's durable, right? You have cash reserves, you have people reserves, so it's durable and stable. So it can take a hit, it can meet new challenges. Probably most importantly, it can capitalize on opportunities when they come. When somebody drops the ball, you can snag that customer. When a uh, competitor ends up for sale for whatever reason, you can snap them up quickly before anybody else. So having that, you know, that ability to have that level of certainty in there. And then third is choices, right? That you have the choice. You can grow the business and make more money. You can harvest it and sell it. You can, and if you do decide to exit, you're going to end up with multiple bidders and you don't have to have a long burnout. There won't be a protracted negotiation. People go, I get it. I understand it. I want it. This is what I'm willing to pay for it. And there's that. Or you pass it on to the next generation and it's not the burden it was for you to the next generation. It's actually something that makes them better and stronger versus just literally sucking the life out of you. So that's the <laughs> free side of things. And then on the scale side, it's really is the business, uh, in, do you have an investable business model? Would banks easily loan money to you so you have a uh, business model that the enterprise value is constantly rising because you have predictable cash flow, predictable profit, happy customers, customer diversity, 
a strong leadership team that you don't have to really, you don't have to manage them. They're leading you in each of their functional areas. They're better than you. You, uh, I forget who said that. I think it's Lencioni said, you know that you've won when you're the dumbest person in the room as the CEO, that everybody around you knows their area of the business better than you could ever do it. Right. So you've got that kind of level team. And then scale is basically that you have that, you really know who your core customer is and you've come up with a way that they're literally knocking down your door to do business with you because you've really got this thing dialed. You're part of their client, their, your client success story. And it's repeatable into other markets so that it's really just, we need to open another outpost, hire another salesperson, whatever it is, that metric, get into another country, you can pull it off. And again, you have those right people in the right seats. So everybody's pulling together. You have lots of A players. You have predictable performance and no single points of failure in the business. And you have that respiration of the business, the rhythm that's happening every period of time. That's what it feels like is you're not running around jumping from meeting to meeting, but you have very clear, quick meetings that are meaningful and discussing the things that are important in your business. So that's, that's what it looks like. Well, that, that's uh, very exciting, and uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Out of time, and uh, of course, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to some other some other things. You know, one of the things that we would hope to talk about was once you get, we call it being five pillar plus. You know, you got your five pillars in, and you in your you know your your you've got that cash flow, and now you're in a spot. And you, had, uh, we were going to plan on talking about things like acquisitions, strategic partners, financial backers, and kind of hiring that star player. But we're going to have to tackle that next time. That'll um, have to be another time. That, and as you know, uh, we, we we will definitely ask you back, and hopefully you'll you'll agree to do it. Rich, one last thing, you know, well, when when do you see the book coming out? Uh, probably by the end of the year. We'll okay. Get on it. All right. Well, we're, we're we're looking forward to it, and everybody out there, thanks for listening in and uh, passion for possibilities. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in this week to the second stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.